Hi, welcome to Forget the Numbers, the ACCA student podcast. This week on the podcast, we're going over all the last minute advice you need to keep in mind from this weekend right up to the moment you start your exam. We also look at recent news stories, including how Revolut has become the UK's most valuable fintech startup and the impact of the coronavirus on company share prices before getting to this week's student question. So, Alan, Saturday before exams, what is the, the general mood of stu- students before exam week? What, what we tell them or what they're feeling? They're probably feeling panicked, but I think there's no need to feel panicked at no. this stage. All the hard work is done. Yeah. I, uh, you kind of feel like, oh, maybe I haven't done enough, but especially I, if you got the exam on Monday, you have to be careful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, bear in mind, people are going to be on different timeframes. Um, one of the things that panic can lead you to do is slightly irrational things to lead yes. up to your exam. So really what we want to focus on, regardless of if your exam's on the Monday, if your exam's next Friday, just go over those things you need to be keeping in mind for your last few days before study, the night before your exam, the morning of the exam, which is times because people are under stress that they do things they wouldn't normally do or they forget things because they're they're not focused like so your calculator like your calculator <laughs> or your exam docket all these yeah, things yeah. so it, it really is um you know hopefully everyone has got through the the work you've worked hard now is about making sure you don't do anything um you know that costs you an exam that's an unnecessary mistake so we're gonna we're gonna start off uh with the last few days and i don't really want to get very deep into study and what you need to be doing study wise but these are more general things that you you can be doing which just keep your focus aligned and the the first one i have is watching the five minute to pass videos yeah which really one thing that can happen to you as, as you get closer to the exam is you're you're trying to do loads of questions you're looking at all these different areas and you can lose sight of what the the key area of a subject is and most of them do um i know you you were very involved in putting these together most of them do have a a clear path and they have focus areas well focus i think is the word i think you if you try and do kind of 20 questions two days before the exam your mind is going to be you're like imagine doing tax you won't know whether you're doing inheritance tax or corporation tax or income tax you'll be all over the place what the five minutes of videos five minutes to pass videos do is it they give you that focus, they kind of concentrate the mind and, and they make sure that it's kind of trying to put your mind in a place of just before you walk into the exam. Uh, the biggest danger is that you're thinking of, here's 50 things I have to remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you end up remembering none of them. But if you had three or four um, strategies um, that you, before kind of heading into the exam, that you're very familiar with and you built everything around that you'd be much better off. So it's focus, that word you use focus is really important and should be the the guiding light yeah. over the next few days. And I think one of the points I had done which can help with that is doing some of the same questions again and, and trying to look at questions over these focus areas. And even if you think these are the broad topics, these are the general topics, they're, they're broad in general because they always come up and they're yeah. recurring and you need to have a good understanding of those. So if you found there was really good questions you've done before or there's, there's good questions which test one of the bigger syllabus areas, you can do those again and, and check that you've you know learned the key points and you're now structuring your answer well. So that's the one point I wanted to make on, on questions practice. Don't be afraid to do the same questions again and to focus on those big common areas. The next thing, and again, we always advise towards this, but I think particularly in these last few days before the exam is the examiner's report and trying to just, you know, kind of reaffirm these things in your head, the, the do's and the don'ts for that exam. And the see, more are you, these the free marks that you get yeah, from the yeah, examiner yeah, that we keep exactly. saying that nobody reads? <laughs> so I think as it gets closer to the exam, you need to be 
kind of searing those into your brain more and more and making sure they're in your head so that when you get um, to actually doing your paper, that those things stick out to you and you kind of see those red flags and those common mistakes. So in those few days, and, you know, these are, are short things. Most of our exam report debrief videos are five to ten minutes our five minutes to pass videos are obviously five minutes. These are something you can do every day in yeah. a fifteen-minute period, and just really make sure you're you're keeping on top of that, building up to your exam. Well, I don't think anybody could say I didn't have time to watch the five minutes to pass video yeah. or or the examiner report video. It is fifteen minutes out of your time, and I, I actually wouldn't shy away from saying we can guarantee you you will get more marks in the exam if you listen to both of them and you listen carefully. Yeah, the next one I have is CBE practice and. This is something that will be applicable to a majority of you. It's as the exam settings go on, it's going to get more and more applicable as everything moves to CBE. But this is something, again, which you might have done a bit of practice before. But if you're not really making sure you're familiar and comfortable with that as you get closer to the exam, it's going to be a surprise to you. Even if you did lots of practice a few weeks ago and then started doing um, questions with pen and paper, it's going to be a surprise to you. You're not going to be used to it. So you should be trying to build in as much use of that as you can leading up to the exam. And um, yeah, I think the more comfortable you can make yourself with that, the more relaxed you're going to be going into the exam because it's not going to come as a surprise to you. Well, we have um, obviously we've lots of lectures in um, in Learn Signal, and one of our lecturers would say, in the last few days before your exam, so he would always say the last three to four days before your exam, um, do nothing else but practice CBE questions. He's not saying practice lots of them. He's not sp saying spending hours. But whatever time you have, he would always say, don't worry about content. Don't worry about trying to learn something. Just practice questions on the CBE template and compare them to the answer and make sure you know what each, all the buttons do. Make sure you're... Your, all, all the shortcuts like the copying and pasting that you've you've learned to, to, to be the quickest you can be. Um, and again, it's, oh, it's okay. I, I did well in that exam the last time. I did well yeah. in tech. So like, I'll be using it in audit. So it'll be the same. And as you said, it's not the same. And, and it, I, we've, I think we've proven, um, as we tell people, we've taken the odd student under our wing. Um, and I think every time they've been successful, our, our advice has always, never been about content. It's always been about stop writing your answers and questions at home and practice on a computer. And, and I think that's worked every single time. Yeah. I think the other one I have then um, is to review. So if you've done any mock exams with us, any correction packs, review that feedback. I think mm. that's essential because, you know, that's someone who's going through maybe the common mistakes you're making or areas you need to improve. So I think if you've um, done those and you have that feedback available, it's really important to review that. Another side to that, which um, I think is a really useful thing for students to do, is to correct some of your own questions or questions you've done previously and go through them and review them yourself critically so that you're again look, keeping in mind, OK, well, this question that maybe I did a couple of weeks ago, how could I have structured it better? Where was I getting the marks alongside a marking scheme? So really trying to start to think in a very exam focused way. Um, so I think I think that's something that you can do alongside examiner reports, alongside attempting questions, is looking at the marking scheme and very critically um, marking your own paper. There's an ACCA article, I think the name of it, you'll find it really easily if you search, but I think the name of it is, is In the Shoes of an Examiner or Putting Yourself in the Shoes of an Examiner. Or Read the Mind of the Marker. I Read the Mind of the Marker. There's lots of versions of them. There's a few different. And what you can do, like what they tell you is what an examiner is going to like and not like and why they're more likely to give you marks 
for something and maybe the content is the same, but maybe it's so badly presented. So like, why wouldn't you kind of know your audience and go, okay, well, like if somebody's selling something um, to a big group of people and they know the big group of people all respond to getting discounts, well, then they're going to go and offer them discounts because Mm. that's what that audience will respond to. So ACCA have given students an insight into what will make the examiner basically give them more marks than not. Like, yeah, and I have haven't done a lot of exams before. It's amazing the one thing that comes into your head that you remember that can be the difference between passing and failing. Yeah. And it might be that you're, you're doing a certain question and you remember reading in the examiner's report, they said candidates continue to not provide enough analysis over mm. these figures or they don't conclude. And you remember that, so you say, right, I'm definitely going to make sure yeah. I, I give that. And that can be the difference between passing and failing. Oh, yeah. 48 you, to 51 yeah. is only a heading, like a yeah, conclusion yeah. heading. So looking at those things, the examiner's reports, these read the mind of the marker things, that can be the the difference, something that comes into your head that you keep in mind that can get you those extra marks. And I think that's why you, when you lay out the boot camp, your night before is pretty much always... The articles and and the yeah, useful things. It's not about practicing last minute questions. It's about what will give you that little bit of edge, that bit of extra, that extra kick, extra bit of knowledge that will turn that forty eight into a fifty one or seventy eight into an eighty one. It doesn't matter, but it'll definitely yeah. give you marks. So that's kind of your last few days. I'm going to focus on the the night before and. There's still things that students like to do the night before. Um, you might want to, as we said, watch those five minutes or exam reports or do one CBE question. So that's fine. But the key the night before is not overdoing it. So we're going to focus on other aspects. The first one of which I would say is get organized for everything you're bringing tomorrow. Get The last thing you want to be do is scrambling around the morning of an exam looking for a calculator or if you have any pens that work. Get organized and have all that ready. And even that can be a good way, you know, to take your mind off it um, if you don't want to be doing lots of studies. So I think that's the first thing, getting your exam docket, having your ID, whatever stationery you need. These are all unnecessary stresses if you leave them to the last minute. So either that that day before or even if you want to make sure you, you have them all in place this week. Do you know what bus to get? Do you have to pay for car parking? Do you need change in your pocket? Yeah. It's those silly it's things. simple things. Uh, it's, yeah, like that, rechecking the time, rechecking the venue and making sure, you know, you know your travel arrangements to get there and to get there on time. So do plan all that out. It seems like a simple thing, but you know, don't leave any room for error or for something to go wrong or for you to miss one one bus and you're late. So I think that the night before, it's all about getting organized, knowing exactly how your, your next day is going to go from when you wake up till you get to your exam. The other thing which we can't stress enough is the value of a good night's sleep. And yeah. I, I would be actually looking, um, you know, I'd give that point for from now until your exam, because if you are studying till all hours of the morning for a number of days, one good night's sleep doesn't um, undo that. So it's important to try build that in now. But really, the night before the exam, try to get an early night. It, it It's amazing what um, clarity in your head can do when you actually get to the exam to give your best performance. So they're all important things the night before. Then the day of, there's a few things I highlight, and it's it's having been a student and talking to other people, the main thing to do the, the morning of the exam is try keep the same routine you would have had before. So, you know, 
make sure obviously that you're up early, you're leaving in plenty of time with those travel arrangements, as we said, but don't decide I have an exam today. So I'm going to have three coffees before I leave my house or (laughs) I'm going to drink two energy drinks, which I never do before, or I'm not going to eat because it's it's exam day. It's all about routine. It's all about, um, you know, between your sleep and what you're eating um, and what you're doing in the morning, trying to, trying to keep it, um, yeah, as, as normal as possible, that routine it's the same as any you. I'm yeah. sure you give the same advice when you are running marathons. Yeah, it's, it's all about because you just slip into it and you don't get nervous because you're not, you get nervous by trying to figure out what you have to do next. But by waking up in the morning and having everything planned and in your head before you go there, you, you kind of don't get nervous. You just nearly go through yeah. the, it's kind of automatic and you're nice and relaxed. Yeah. And it allows you to um, keep, keep focused on the things you need to be that day yeah. and, and eliminate unnecessary stresses. The other points we have seem obvious, but it's amazing talking to the ACCA, the amount of people who still show up late for exams. Yes, yeah, it's, it's um, incredible. Even we hear from ACCA um, examiners marking people riding on papers. I arrive 30 yeah. minutes late. The, the bus driver if, drove yeah, slowly. As if that will get them an extra 10 marks. So that that seems obvious, but it comes into making those arrangements and knowing how you're going to get there. And being on time for an exam is being there 30 minutes early and, and giving yourself time to relax when you get there. You're not rushing into it. Get your mind focused on the things that are important. The last two things I just want to highlight are what you need to try do when you actually either get your paper or you're starting your CBE. And the most important is that you take a deep breath. You don't stress. You don't panic. You don't move away from all the exam um technique advice we talk about about planning about focusing on time management about you know thinking of how you're going to apply it to scenarios so the key to not making those mistakes is being calm when you start so do take a minute do you know plan out in your head what's your strategy for approaching this paper and try to stick to all those um kind of essential things we talked about before of of managing your time and planning because if you get the paper, you're stressed and you jump straight into it, that's where you start making the simple mistakes, which cost you marks later on. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for extra content, important news, live streams, study tips and much more. So our first news story this week is that the digital bank Revolut has become the UK's most valuable fintech startup after funding round um, that more than tripled its value. So they're now worth £4.2 billion. And it's put it ahead of other fintech rivals in the UK, like Monzo and Starling. Um, So what they've done is they've raised another $500 million from a group of investors led by the US fund Technology Crossover Ventures, TCV. Have you heard of them? I haven't, but it really rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Yeah, um, I struggled with that there. Uh, And these are, um, you'll know some of the companies, they've been an early backer for So they've put money behind um, Airbnb, Netflix and Spotify, all at a pretty early stage. Um, and I think, you know, this is obviously part of a broader plan for Revolut. They're looking to move into business banking, cryptocurrency, stock trading, um, and they already have 10 million customers worldwide. Um, so it's interesting to, to kind of see the trajectory of this company. But having looked at lots of companies we and we've talked before about WeWork and things like that, they are still in that position. They've yet to make a profit. Their pre-tax losses um, are kind of starting to double. Um, and I, I suppose the idea is, is, you know, when do you turn this around that it becomes a very sustainable business? But why I find this story interesting is that certainly um, in Ireland or Dublin, Revolut has become 
it's become a term. People say, I'll revolute you for the meal. Yes. Will we revolute it? It's, it's a verb, it's, isn't it's it? A verb. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and it, I, I've seen it and traveling before across countries, everyone's using it. It, it has really, I suppose, satisfied a, a need or, or solved a problem. And it seems to be the one that that's kind of taken over and come out at the forefront yeah. of that. But I think your, your point is right. Like to, it's great to be a successful business and get lots of funding, but when do you actually start making money from it? When, yeah. when does it really become successful? And, and as an investor, obviously, like it depends really what you're investing for. If you're investing 500 million and you're hoping that at some point in the future, somebody might buy the company for twice its worth now. Yeah. Yes, that's great. You get a good return. Um, but if you're looking, if it depends what Revolut are planning, if they're planning to be a kind of long standing standalone bank effectively, yeah. um, when does that come? Because as you said, everybody has one. It's yeah. a really popular thing. So it's, it's hard to know whether or not today, how much many customers they think they can still get, but what's driving it into, into profitability and, and what, yeah. what will eventually make it a, a and it's good venture. How you harness that user, but it's a similar thing to that, you know, any of these startups, Facebook, Twitter, how you convert these users and people on it into actually becoming a very profitable, sustainable business. What I find interesting about this story as well, and again, similar to um, if anyone followed the stories on WeWork, is they have a bit of a controversial founder. Yes. Um, they've had controversy over the treatment of staff, unpaid hours. I think he um, has been connected um, to the Kremlin. He's Russian. Allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> um, and all of these things kind of feed into it, but particularly when a company's you know, obviously this this round of funding speaks a lot, but um, when a company is at that early stage that they're trying to got, get out of, like we saw with WeWork, these controversies can have a huge impact on things. So I think it does make it um, a very interesting time for them, but obviously seeing the uh, you know the, the, the money they're getting and the recent valuations in light of these, which I think came out earlier in the year there was, yeah. they were involved in things, um, it really will be interesting to see if they can you know, continue to well, to use that money and continue to harness their base and grow into kind of a, a global leading company. So I think to move on from a relatively upbeat story to, uh, I guess, um, like the biggest story in the world right now is really the coronavirus. I think it'd be remiss of us not to try and link it every week because it is that ongoing story. Um, and I guess when we're looking at what's happening during the week, um, you look at Asia reacting to the global sell-off and the markets going down dramatically. And the Nikkei dropped 4.5%. And 4.5%, people, in your head, you think, well, if I had a, a $100, I'd only lost 4 But if you're talking about billions and trillions of dollars and you lose 4%, that's a lot, still a lot of billions. Now, it did regain some ground, but it's, it, it ended up on, um, at one point in the week there, on the Tuesday, it was still over 3% lower, which is, is quite dramatic. And you look at, the types of companies that this is impacting, like Toyota and retailing companies, because it's, and we touched on in previous previous weeks about how that supply chain is being impacted and they're not getting access to, to everything that they need. And then even you look out a bit closer to home in Europe and you look at airlines. And I think in such a global economy, when the economy comes to an abrupt I wouldn't say it's at a halt, but it's certainly a slowdown in the way people are traveling. Airlines get hit pretty quickly. We saw that with 9-11. We yeah. saw that with other, other events and we're starting to see um, that. So now as the coronavirus hits into Italy now uh, in, in Europe, 
and the Italians are reacting really aggressively to try and, and halt the spread. You look at EasyJet um, in the UK dropped 16.4% and Ryanair, obviously based from Ireland, went 13.5% down. And that's nothing to do with anything that they've done, but it's, I guess it's that expectation of what it's going to, either travel restrictions or people not wanting to travel. It, yeah. it's, a hu- it's a huge... A huge story in a way that that has so many tentacles to, to impact yeah, and all I around the world. What's really interesting is, um, you know, it really highlights the the globalization within the world. That you know, initially a lot of the stories were around airlines, the effect it had on that. But really, there's no business that isn't affected because businesses are dealing with so many different countries and um, people are moving between all these countries. And I think, you know, they, they showed some of the figures and the effects it was having on business between the SARS outbreak, yeah. however many years ago and now. And, and that is the driving thing is that all these companies are operating globally. And, you know, this, the move of people that, that kind of um, everyone now travels around airlines, it, it's so quick that something can travel like this yeah. um, because it's just the nature of the world these days is how connected everything is. And I think the coronavirus is a little bit, and you mentioned SARS, so when we read about some of the comparisons between SARS, because I think SARS was the last biggest one, um, the difference is like coronavirus currently, and I guess nobody knows what it might mutate, if it will, into anything in the future. But the coronavirus um, is nowhere near as deadly as SARS was. Yeah. But what it is, it's much more uh, contagious than SARS was. So you're finding that although the 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 level of deaths, thankfully, um, is is relatively low compared to other other events such as SARS. The actual contagion is really high, so the number of cases yeah. of people who are contracting the coronavirus is so huge. The numbers you're hearing are so big that that's what's scary, and it, and it shows how now when you hear about what's in Italy and there's been cases pretty much all over yeah. Europe, um, and how it's nearly impossible to stop people interacting with each other nearly yeah. and it's it's a it's an amazing challenge and and um and you look at towns in china you know shut down they have to get uh id to go to supermarkets they're told times they can go out they're wearing masks all the time uh, they're basically there's people who haven't left their houses in in over a month they get in some of the provinces that were really badly affected they're getting food delivered to their houses and their apartments and they're not allowed outside so Imagine getting your weekly shopping in a with a hazmat suit. It's quite extraordinary how yeah. things are going, um, and it's really and and from what I've seen and, and people like the World Health Organization talking about such a big event, there doesn't seem to be sign of a a, a cure really right now that it is spreading massively. But it, it's a real it's a real indicator of the the global phenomenon that's being created. Try us for free by registering for a basic plan on LearnSignal.com to get everything you need to pass your exams. So, Connor, one of the questions, um, and I guess there's a, a student who was kind of wondering about what to do next. So, obviously, if this is your last strategic profession exam, your fingers crossed, yeah. and hopefully you'll never have to do an exam again, and, and hopefully that works out. But for those students who are thinking, this is just, I'm or maybe applied skills are going in strategic professional um, and I, and I know I'm going to do another exam. Should I just like finish my exam tomorrow and start studying the next morning for the next exam? What What's the advice about how to, to best build that up? It's why I heard the phrase used recently, work hard, celebrate hard. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think there, <laughs> don't forget you know, to celebrate. Yeah, hard. yeah. Um, I, I think it is an interesting time. And obviously there are unique exams because you don't get your results straight away. But I think 
it, there's no way you can keep going at an intense pace through all your ACCA exams. And if you're not enjoying the wins or enjoying the breaks or the, the kind of quieter periods, you will burn out and it will have an effect on your study and eventually an effect on your results. So you absolutely do need to, to take those breaks and enjoy those breaks. And there's no harm in that. And there shouldn't be any guilt that someone's saying, God, I need to start into the next one. So I, I do think um, you can take those breaks. I think what's important after you finish exams more than jumping into the next bit of study is just a, a bit more around the reflection side and thinking what you want to do next what exam you're focused towards next and even if all you're doing in, in that kind of the week after you finish an exam is figuring your plan and maybe looking at your your timetable for the next sitting and thinking how manageable you can factor in the next round of study i think that's fine and i think that will um, alleviate some stress it'll clear things up in your own head and it'll get you focused towards the next one but there's no way i'd be expecting someone to come out of audit and be straight away focused on the next exam from that monday you do need to take some time you do need to celebrate to, as you to celebrate yeah and to reward yourself for all the work you hopefully have put in and and i'm a big believer in that if you have been studying hard over the last sitting you know Part of the um, thing about doing exams is you, the relief when you finish and you've probably been thinking the last few weeks, I can't wait till that day where I have a Saturday morning where I can lie in or I can do my own thing. <laughs> and I think you need to reward yourself with that. And it, that's what helps you, um, you know, as long as you're not rewarding yourself with that for eight or nine weeks. Um, but for a week or so after and kind of then you can get into making your plan, building it into your routine. But you do need some downtime and that's what will allow you to keep that momentum going into the next exams. So we're going to finish up there for today. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.